We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is Tyrese Halliburton, and you're listening to Setting the Pace. Indiana, home of Pacers basketball. Miller for three, and he got it. Legends have been born. Miller retreats to the three-point line and hits again. Memories have been made. Halliburton, a deep three for the lead. Great basketball has been played. Nembhard away. Hits a three in the buzzer. In 49 states, it's just basketball. Flips it to the big fella, fake shoots, and But this, this is Indiana. And you're listening to Setting the Pace. Let's go! Your go-to Pacers podcast. Setting the pace with Alex and Fachi. Alex and Fachi. Alex and Allison. Setting the pace with Alex and Fachi. Alex and Fachi. Alex and Allison. Setting the pace with Alex and Fachi. Alex and Fachi. Alex and Allison. Setting the pace with Alex and Fachi. Alex and Fachi. Alex and Allison. We got paces hooping. Let's talk stats. Hot takes. All fast. New topics. Updates. Three pointers. Fast breaks. We keep scoring. We don't need to stop. New episodes. Weekly drops. This your number one podcast. Sweeping every team. We gon' need a mop. Setting like the pace with Alex and Fachi. Alex and Fachi. Alex and Allison. Setting the pace with Alex and Fachi. Alex and Fachi. Alex and Allison. Setting the pace with Alex and Fachi. Alex and Fachi. Alex and Allison. Setting the pace with Alex and Fachi. Alex and Fachi. Alex and Allison. Pacer Nation, what is going on? Welcome back to another episode here of your go-to Pacers podcast. It's setting the pace. I'm your host, Alex Gold. I'm joined today by Michael Fachi. The Pacers take down the New Orleans Pelicans 123-114 on national television on ESPN. It was a big victory for the Pacers. Michael, how are we doing? I've definitely been noticing you've been calling me Michael each of the last few episodes. I really don't know what that is. Like my mom calls me Michael. I think like I think maybe JJ called me Michael or someone recently. Caitlin always calls you Michael. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. That's what your name is here on the Zoom thing. I'm just making sure our listeners know who you are. No one calls me Michael. Anyway, (laughs) this game had a little bit of everything. I thought this was a great showing on national television. I thought the Pacers' first quarter, I, I can't really think of many first quarters that had complete sides of basketball, scored 40 points on offense, held the Pelicans to 24. I felt that that was that really got this fan base up and running for hey, we are not ready for a letdown on national television. Can I remind you of the game that happened right out of the All-Star break against the Pistons? I did the same thing against them in the first quarter too. 40 to 20 national television and against the Pistons. But this you said you haven't seen the time when we've done that. We just did it. 
I said on national television. Oh, uh, okay. Maybe I missed yeah, that. That's I'm a sorry. big, big difference. Because well, they really haven't the- had any national televised games except against the Celtics and the Bucks and the Lakers. So it's, you just named a couple of them. I mean, it's a couple this of year, them. yeah, in season yeah. tournament play. But well, I'm not yeah, regardless, I'm about the last few years or against the worst team in the league, the Pistons. This is a good Pelicans team that had CJ McCollum back. When he's been in the lineup, this Pelicans team has been far better than what their record is. And uh, I felt that the Patriots really came out the gates hot, being able to respond off that Toronto loss, which was extremely important to do. I mean, we got to say this too: the the Pacers did catch a break because the Pelicans, their plane did not land until five a.m. this morning That's in Indianapolis because they had engine issues with their plane leaving against leaving after they played the Knicks, and so they had to take a plane that the Warriors just landed on. So. That's a really interesting tidbit, and I, I was a reporter from New Orleans that said that she didn't even get to sleep till 6 o'clock in the morning. So you know these players had to be a little bit tired, and they were all questionable before the game started. So, you know, that was definitely an advantage for the Pacers because you could tell the Pelicans got off to a slow start, like you mentioned, being outscored 40-24 to 24 in the first quarter. But, you know, I felt like Pascal Siakamfachi to me was one of the standout Pacers in this game, clearly got things going early, was really efficient. 24 points, 11 rebounds, five assists, had three clutch baskets to kind of close this game out for Indiana, thanks to the assist uh, from Tyrese Halliburton, who also was really good down the stretch. But yeah, I just, I I felt like Siakam in this game really showcased how important he can be, especially when you're going up against another elite power forward and a guy in Zion Williamson. Absolutely. Siakam, Miles Turner, those two players had it going early on. I felt that they were just absolutely feasting on New Orleans, they set the tone. They each had 12 apiece at halftime. And then I was wondering, okay, look, Siakam at one point, so he was 6 of 7 at halftime, but he started 5 of 5. And I remember being, just keep going to him. And I felt the Patriots had kind of gone away from him a bit. But um, I felt that whenever they needed a basket, Siakam was able to provide that. You talked about that down the stretch. I mean, I don't want to jump the gun here, but when things got real tight, I felt that we saw this Pacers team have one to start the game, a lead that was as many as 20. And then that lead really dwindled down. In specific, it dwindled down to 112 to 109. Halliburton hits that massive 27 foot three pointer yeah. to, to give the Pacers a little bit of breathing room. And then four straight assists from Halliburton, three straight baskets for Siakam. And then I believe it was a Turner basket, yeah. stretched that lead to 12. And I just felt that that was the breathing room that Indiana needed. You needed Tyrese Halliburton, the closer. And I felt that you got him. But to see Halliburton and Siakam have that type of connection when the game was really on the line is everything that you did, everything you hoped for to bring in Pascal Siakam when you traded those three first-round picks to be able to finish games. And that's what Indiana did tonight. I mean, absolutely. That's why that is the one-two punch that you're hoping to, to have. Come playoff time, you need those two guys to really figure each other out. And, you know, I, Siakam went to go run a pick and roll with Halliburton on that first play that he scored. And it was so beautiful because New Orleans defended it really well. And they hedged and they got out there. I think they even iced the screen, if I'm not mistaken. And so they got out there and really kind of put Halliburton on an island with two defenders. And they're like, okay, figure out how you're going to get, you know, beat us here with the shot clock winding down. He makes a, a great pass, gets beautiful. to the right angle to Siakam. And while the pass was great, you have to give Siakam a ton of credit here because as soon as he saw how how the um, I'm losing their team name now, the Pelicans defended that play, he got into the right spot. And 
it made Halliburton make that pass a little bit easier. And not only did he have great hands to catch it, Brandon Ingram, who is a very tall six foot nine power forward, you know, probably the same height as Pascal Siakam, was there to contest that layup. And Siakam just with his outstretched hand and absorbed the contact and made the shot. Like that was really good star, you know, star level basketball. And that's what you see at the end of a game. Like all stars are are all stars for a reason because they can make those big plays in the big moments. And I just loved absolutely how that connection was, you know, not once, not twice, but three times in a row. And it really just sealed the game for the Pacers. You know, I know we're not going in chronological order of how the game happened, but I think it's good to talk about this key point down the stretch because the Pacers, you know, they just, they kept letting the Pelicans creep back up into the game, get it, get it to within five. And, and it's like, Oh man, you know, the Pelicans, are they going to pull this one out? Are they going to come up here and upset Indiana? But then Indiana just kept finding ways to, you know, keep that lead just far enough that they could keep all that pressure from, okay, we're about to lose this game. You know, the, the, the step back three from Halliburton was honestly what I think ignited him into that kind of like, you know, Tyrese mode that that clutch mode we've seen from Tyrese because it's been a hot minute since we've seen a Tyrese takeover it has we were talking about it the other night that it's like I felt the Pacers were they were winning games without Halliburton having to hit those big shots towards the end but between the big shot the assists the playmaking I mean it, it was a big difference for this Pacers team and Tyrese Halliburton in the game finishes with uh 17 points 13 assists just one turnover mm-hmm. now has 30 assists to just three turnovers over his last three games. Awesome to see, uh, far more efficient this time around. Seven of 15, I think last game was what two of 11 or so. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, was not not himself. So great to see that type of bounce back performance. This is a, a game that the Pacers never trailed, never trailed at one even for one moment, mm-hmm. led by as many as 20. And then you saw New Orleans just many times go on runs, but they were just never able to pull ahead and it scared me because there was all these stats like uh the pelicans are 18 and 1 when cj mccollum scores 20 points well he did that tonight but they caught an l and then there was the pelicans what they're 18 and 2 now exactly they are the pelicans had never won a game all season when going to the fourth quarter and trailing and i was like don't let this be the time the pacers hadn't blown a 20 point lead all season it was just everything was like oh come on but yeah. Indiana held strong, and I, I think that this is a good win, but also just a good time that on national TV to show that the Pacers are worth the hype that they're starting to get. And I, I don't think that they could have – I mean, look, you could say they could have played a better game, but I think that given you had a, a short rotation, no Aaron e. Smith, no Doug McDermott, I, I felt that the Pacers handled business tonight. Yeah, and I think that a couple areas the Pacers really were were good in this game as fast break points outscored the Pelicans twenty one to eight, and then if you look at the rebounding fifty to forty, it was just really good to see the Pacers win the rebounding you know battle because Rick Carlisle came on the radio show, I believe it was Tuesday morning after they had just lost to the Raptors and talked about how poor they were defensively and you know how rebounding has been a struggle for them and it's kind of not been their kryptonite. He didn't say that exactly, but he kind of indicated that's where it's been at. So. You know, they could do a better job, Fachi, of rebounding. We've talked about that at nauseum. And, and Miles Turner tonight, guess what he had? He had another double-double. So that does help improve the record. I think they're now 10-3 and three when he has a double-double. You know, so continuing to find ways to, to you know, incorporate that statistic into my uh, into my bank there. But I, I, I just felt like it was a pretty solid game from everybody around. But the big thing here, Fachi, for me was the bench. The bench outscored New Orleans bench 44 to 24. 
And you have to just give a lot of credit to a man by the name of Obi Toppin because Obi Toppin in this game had some big moments. There was a sequence there in that third quarter, or maybe it was in the fourth, I can't remember, but he had two great defensive possessions, and then he finished it off with a windmill slam dunk. And I know that he had the off-the-glass dunk, too, from Tyree. So he clearly had some moments in this game, but shot the ball well, rebounded the ball, six rebounds, 16 points, six and nine shooting. Like I felt for the 24 minutes he played, very, very effective. Very effective. A highlight reel tonight, but just more than just the dunks, like you mentioned. I also thought it was redemption being able to get that fast break windmill dunk that he could not get against the Knicks. You know, that when that happened, everyone was like, <laughs> what are you doing? But tonight, he nailed it. So I think that that was awesome. Those numerous dunks that should be all over SportsCenter's top 10, you can make an argument, probably has two of the top 10 spots. I think he should have at least, you know, number one spot because that Halliburton off the backboard, I, I think, was awesome. Crazy that that's not counted as an assist. Yeah, the NBA does not do that. R very weird. Very much an assist in my mind. But I, I guess I could see it. I could understand it. They could think of that as a missed shot or anything of the sort. Whatever they want to call it. Yeah. But do they call it a missed shot? I, I don't know. That's what I'm wondering. Like, are they really going to say Tyrese missed that shot? A little bit ridiculous. I'd have to kind of go back and see what they marked that as. But um, that was definitely interesting to find out. But yeah. Obi was great in this game. Awesome to see. Um, I think just overall, the bench had their moments. Ben Shepard had moments. Like, mm -hmm. he truly was, you know, at, at one point, he might have finished the game three of seven from three, but at one point, he was just absolutely hot from three-point land. Um, had a block in this game. That was awesome. Uh, I think he challenged Zion one time right at the rim. That I don't know if they gave him credit for the block or not, but definitely altered that shot and... Uh, I just felt that we're seeing those play. I mean, Ben Shaper played 27 minutes tonight. Yeah. Like, I and I don't think anybody's going to complain about it. Mm. With Doug McDermott out, it was like we. A lot of people are saying you know, on social media, you could see it. Give Ben Shepard those minutes. The 27 minutes he played tonight is one minute shy of a season high, and that dates back to that game against the Kings, where the Pacers had a lot of guys out that night so mm. i think that ben shepherd is earning the minutes that he's getting not just being given minutes yeah and i will say one thing with ben is he's just been so consistent defensively and, and yeah. that's where it all boils down to rick carlisle brought that up on the radio show too when he was talking about ben's consistency defensively he's like yeah the shot making hasn't always been there this season it's been up and down in terms of when he's hitting shots and you know he's when he's hitting it it's a plus but at this point right now he's just been so you know consistent with his defense that that's what's getting him playing time. I'm really impressed with him. And I, and I continue to just love the way that he plays the game, had some really big moments. He was smiling real big when he had a fast break layup. And I remember Quinn Buckner bringing it up like, ah, oh, he's smiling. He loves the game. And I'm like, I think he's smiling because he wasn't sure if he was going to dunk it or lay it up. And he got nervous and laid it up at the last second because he didn't want to miss a dunk or maybe he jumped too early. That's what I kind of felt like in that moment because I forget what time it was. Everything is all run together at this point now. But, you know, Ben Shepard really brought it. I think McConnell was just solid again off the bench. You know, nine assists for McConnell, eight points. Like, he was really just finding these guys and, and making the right plays. And his ability to attack on the baseline, Fachi. Um, I talked with Caitlin Cooper yesterday on her mailbag podcast on basketball she wrote. So if you guys – Want to listen to that? We talked for like an hour and 45 minutes about stuff you guys asked Caitlin. Um, really good stuff there. But I just, she brought up a great point about how, you know, how special TJ is at driving that baseline and how it opens up for other guys and how he's just constantly looking. And 
you saw it again tonight, like that ability to do that. He had some big layups. I think one over Larry Nance, uh, that was huge, but it's just more so the way he gets others involved too. Like TJ McConnell is so good as a backup point guard. And I don't know if you saw this or not on Twitter, but former point guard for the Boston Celtics, Isaiah Thomas, put him in his top three favorite players. Yeah, I, I thought that, that was awesome. I know Jalen Brunson was in that group, and Anthony Edwards, I believe, Edwards, was yeah. the other one. But great mix. You got two all-stars, and then you got T.J. McConnell because you have to respect – I don't want to say respect the little guy, but I felt that he's an underdog, and, mm. and that's what he is, and he's very fun to watch. Uh, Halbert, I mean, McConnell, when you mentioned when he's going baseline, a lot of times it's like he's got no room. Where is he going to go? But it, it's that he has the defense collapse in on him, and there's always someone – that he's able to get that ball to if he's not able to score the layup himself. So, you know, Halliburton and McConnell combined for 22 assists to just one turnover. Mm. I mean, th- that duo has been awesome this year in regards to ball movement for the Pacers. I felt that, you know, Jalen Smith was pretty solid off the bench as well. Nine points, seven boards. He was a plus 12 to lead the Pacers. I just felt that with a condensed bench lineup, only four players, you know, logging minutes off the bench. I thought that everybody brought it tonight. The whole bench, uh, everybody was uh, a positive in the mm-hmm. plus-minus field, and I think that that was a big difference because for the starters, you know, that, that really wasn't the case. Nemard was, was just a flat, you know, zero, and Siakam was actually a minus three, but I felt that the bench had their moments, especially even when, when Matherin was leading that bench unit. They were able to have some real momentum, and, you know, Matherin had 16 points. He had 10 in the third quarter, it and the Pacers awesome. needed all 10 of them. He was hitting some big shots, and I just felt that that was a a big difference because it felt like, you know, like I mentioned, Turner. Turner had 12 in the first half, just two in the second half. Uh, Matherin, you know, had uh, a couple of points. I don't even know if Matherin scored in the fourth quarter or not, but mm-hmm. at 10 in that third quarter, and it, that was just huge for the Pacers. So overall, I just felt that there was a lot of things that that went well in this game. I felt that they really disrupted things for for New Orleans early, but you know, that's a, it's a very talented team that they weren't going to be able to, you know, stay down for long. So I, I think the Pacers, um, you know, they did everything they could to get that early lead. And, and that first quarter was obviously the difference maker because New Orleans uh, actually outscored the Pacers uh, each quarter after that. Yeah. Matherin did not score in the fourth quarter, just so you know, but mm-hmm. I did think that he had some nice moments there in that third quarter, and there was that one pump fake that he had that was so cold, Fachi, right there in the middle of the paint, around the free throw line extended. He had his defender flying past him, and he was able to get a clean look and made the shot, and then he just kind of stood there for a second and shook his head and did his classic Matherin celebration move, and I was enjoying it because that is just who Matherin is. Like There are times he can just be a stone-cold killer when he is in that attack mode as a scorer, and I was like, are they about to do the same thing they did against Toronto with Matherin and as the third quarter is closing because thankfully, not thankfully, Shepard made a dumb foul after McConnell took a shot and, and tried to force something and they didn't get the ball back to Matherin as the quarter was expiring once again. Shepard made a foul. Um, so obviously the Pacers were in the penalty and the Pelicans got to shoot free throws and then the very next play, McConnell's like coming down the lane with like four seconds left. They foul him with the foul to give. And then Matherin got the ball in isolation. I think he ended up getting his shot blocked or he shot it way short. But he had a run there where it was just really good shooting. And I was like, why are they not giving the ball back to him to close the quarter once again? Like forcing him with like four seconds to do it is a much different thing because it's a lot easier to predict when he's going to go for it. When you have 16 plus seconds on the shot clock or on the clock 
give him the ball, let him cook. I want to see what he can do. I mean, once again, no offense to TJ McConnell. I thought he had a really good game, but at that moment, like Matherin's cooking, move the heck out of the way, give him the ball. No, he is. And I think that, you know, that third quarter kind of makes up for a rough shooting night for Matherin overall was just six of 17. But when the Pacers needed baskets, he was able to get them for Indiana. And I think that it kind of showed this team kind of took their turns, whether it was Siakam and Turner early on or Matherin in the third or, you know, Siakam down the stretch. I think that that was obviously huge. You know, OB's, you know, fast break dunks and everything like that was just everything the Pacers needed. You, know, you already talked about how good they were on the glass. I mean, think about it. Siakam leads the team with 11 boards. You had Turner with 10. I mean, how often do the Pacers really have numerous players in double-digit rebounds? That's mm-hmm. something you don't see often. Then off the bench with Obi with six boards, Jalen with seven. It's just like it's that collective effort that you need to see night in and night out on the glass to be able to make a difference. Um, so – I think that this was one of those that, you know, I was always waiting for, okay, I know Zion's going to get it going at some point. Uh, Brandon Ingram, a score that could heat up at any point. CJ McCollum started getting it going at times, but I just felt that New Orleans was never able to get enough stops. The Pacers got their stops early on, and they were able to do everything they could to, to hold on. But this was a good reminder of just how special Tyrese Howell burden is because mm-hmm. it felt like the 17 points yeah it's a little bit quiet but just we already talked about but those those passes that he was able to make down the stretch some of those passes other point guards in the league or they just simply can't make or very few could make the passes that Hal Burton's able to do and I just felt that this win quickly just wiped off that Toronto you know loss just off the books and, and allowed us to be able to move on at least that's how I felt of like, I felt leaving this win being like, okay, Pacers are back. Like still want to get Aaron Neesmith back, add to this team, but I'm feeling good about this team. And you know who we meet next? New Orleans. So it ain't good. I imagine they'll respond. They'll be well rested again. But I also do feel that the Pacers have done a, they've done a good job making those adjustments, playing uh, that team two games in a row. Yeah, no, I mean, and it's uh, it's really interesting too because I was uh, our friend David Grubb put this out, Fachi. I don't know if you saw this or not. He said Friday night might require a sage burn at the uh, Smoothie King Center before the game. The Pelicans have lost six of their last seven on Friday nights, with the only win coming against the San Antonio Spurs, mm. and we know that they are bad. So yes. Friday nights have not been friendly to the New Orleans Pelicans, who are also you know just getting back home from having a little bit of a road trip here. So. That also could be in the Pacers' favor. I think it's going to be fun to kind of see that chess match of how they both match up and what they're going to do differently. And I'm sure that it's going to be a competitive game once again. So we'll see how that all takes you know shape. But it was really just a, a, a really solid close to a game for Tyrese Halliburton. I think Rick Carlisle alluded to just how important it was for him to kind of get his mojo going. Even though things weren't going great early on, he, he stayed consistent, stayed involved, didn't get himself down too much, and then was able to – you know, pounce when it mattered the most. And I think as Halliburton continues to get back to 100%, like you've been talking about, this is the kind of play you want to see from him. This is, okay, you know what? I'm not having my best game, but hey, how can I still be super impactful? And, you know, the team is going to trust him down the stretch. He's proven himself too many times how how impactful he can be down the stretch. So to just lose your confidence in him just because he's been going through a, a rough couple of weeks or whatever, no, that that's just that's just not fair to the leader that he's proven to be already this season. So, you know, the Pacers finished his homestand Fachi three and one with a loss to Toronto that they could have won. 
that game had things just been a little bit different for him. So, you know, I, I feel like the loss in Toronto, yeah, it stung in the moment, but at the end of the day, like you just got to move on, like you mentioned it and get the wins back somewhere on the schedule against some of these upper echelon teams in the, in the NBA, because the Pelicans have done a really good job of getting themselves in the thick of the playoff race out in the West. So it's not going to be an easy, easy task for the Pacers on Friday with this rematch. I think, you're going to see some more physical play. And I think the Pelicans are definitely going to be able to be a little bit more rested about you because we're going to throw an old joke out here. They're going to be able to sleep in their own beds. I I, I almost broke it out myself because I know you how have. much you love it, but it's true. And, and that definitely did make a big difference is we talked about before when the Pacers lost to Toronto, I was like, well, they were on a back-to-back. They looked a little tired. I'm sure New Orleans was exhausted. They will respond on Friday. It will be a much closer matchup. Um, but I also think that the Pacers have a lot to be able to look at from uh, that second, third, and fourth quarter as to things that they might have done a little bit wrong. So uh, when you guys are listening to this episode, though, let's take a quick moment and wish a happy birthday to Tyrese Halliburton because yes. it is officially leap year. It's 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 uh, the 29th of February, a rare date, a date that the man – is turning six years old on so i mean not you're not going to find a younger guy in this league but shout out to tyrese halliburton got to do a little bit of an early birthday celebration on espn he deserves it and then uh for his uh first day as a six-year-old you know or second day i guess he'll take on new orleans uh on friday on the road so uh hopefully he can uh have some time to celebrate in between yeah i mean mardi gras right <laughs> believe so. Yeah. yeah, so uh anyway, close out year 5 again uh with a win against the Pelicans, start out year 6 with a win against the Pelicans. I mean, what better way to do that than uh that than the, what better way to celebrate that than do it that way, Fachi, for me, I think it's great, but we're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. 
Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Um, our good friend Randall Wood commented on something. I knew this is coming. Hey, you know what? I appreciate our listeners for keeping me in the loop on everything because I think there was a certain sauce that got recalled, Maji, that you drafted recently. Can you let the listeners know what happened? I was just informed that all Polynesian sauces uh, from Chick-fil-A are being recalled due to... Uh, what sauce was that again? Polynesian. Um, so, you know, uh, I, I I know you pronounce it differently than I do. I almost called you out the other, the other episode. You say it you wrong. Say That's that. why I'm messing with you. I keep, I keep getting you to say it because you say it wrong every time. It's Polynesian. And you keep calling it Polynesian. So Polynesian. That's, it's uh, Polynesian. You keep saying Poly. It's just Polynesian. I, I think we have different accents. No, in different listen areas. to the Google dictation of it. I looked it up. Who does that? Who's looking up the, the, the Google pronunciation of, of, of like, what? Who has time for that? Because I wanted to make sure I was right. I'm one of those people. You know okay. me. Come on now. Well, hey, you know what? Uh, I'm not going to do that. So. I'm just going to keep going with the way I say it. Um, but, yeah, one of my sauces, it got recalled. Very unfortunate. Good good third pick, but I guess there was medical questions about it. Maybe that's why it slid in the draft. And uh, What happened point, exactly? Did you see the actual reasoning uh, why? No, I wasn't going to click the article. I just saw it. I was just like, oh, jeez. Yeah, the <laughs> you sure it wasn't was on. from the onion? What? I, I, I don't even know. I just saw the headline. I was just like, you got to be kidding me. Like, And then <laughs> the curse I just went back real. to watching the game. The so. curse is real, Fudge. I mean, I, I feel bad for you, man, but, you know, people are it's like... a little bit of a stretch. A little bit of a stretch. I mean, it's just working for everything, man. Like, you draft Polynesian sauce, and all of a sudden, it gets on recall. You know, Pacers haven't won a game in almost three years since you've been in the building. Like That's ending in April. I can tell you that. I can tell you that. I will be in the building in Brooklyn. Nothing's stopping me. I'm going to be there, and we're walking out with a win and that's going to end this season it's really the last chance unless unless i'm attending a playoff game and at that point there's obviously a lot on the line and uh you know that that's that's when things get interesting our good friend jamie threw out some ideas for you to do before that game i don't know if you saw that she tagged you in it Pacer faithful, Chuck and Jamie. Yeah, no, I, I saw that earlier. That was that was at this point, maybe ten hours ago in the day. I, yes. I can't remember. Throw some salt over your shoulder. Get some. That, that's what it was. Like, whatever you got to do, man. You got to get this mocho off you, bro. I, I do. I really do. So yeah, maybe I'll bring the salt shaker with me. You know, if I'm in the arena or not. I, I don't know. Maybe I'll I'll stop at a quick stand, get one of the salt packets. You know, whatever I got to do. But we definitely need a win with me in the building. But I think I need that win far more than the Pacers do. Yeah, you're tired of hearing about it, I'm sure. Hey, all streaks are meant to be broken. It, yes. it will end. It, I will have my day, and I do believe it will be in April, coming up soon. I, I will say that I always get these little shticks that I do with you, or I, 
give you a hard time about something. I think that we've calmed down on the Wizards fan side of things, messing with you about that. Um, yeah, man. But now oh, it's just geez. the curse and, and Polynesian sauce. Well, you know what? It's the, one thing's got to go. I can't do anything about the sauce. You know, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna get involved in that. But but the streak, this this, I do feel. I'm not gonna say I feel that I have any control over because I don't. But I do know that the Brooklyn Nets will not have much to play for in April at the very end of the season. And uh, I think that could work in my favor. Even though technically what I'm thinking about it right now, they don't own their picks. So, I was just about to ask you. Uh, they yeah, own their so picks? you know what? That doesn't help my case, but uh, I'll, I'll try and sell myself on the Brooklyn Nets. will likely be resting some players by then, I would imagine. Do the Pacers play the Pistons again this season? I think I they have one more game on the road. I think yeah, we've only maybe. played at the Pistons once this year on the road. Yeah, maybe. They travel to Detroit. I have no plans to travel to Detroit. To, the Motor um, City? Um, you can call whatever whatever nicknames you want to call, call it. it. I'm just asking. I, you don't want to go I, to the no, Motor I under, City? I understand it's called the Motor City. It, does, it just doesn't mean anything to me. I'm not going over to Detroit, you know, for a game. It's, a, it's quite the trip to see the worst team in the league. You know, not that great. I got my little triangle, like JJ mentioned, where I'll hit like you know Brooklyn, Madison Square Garden, DC, and then kind of make my way back. Um, last year, I was fortunate to hit fortunate enough to hit Indiana. That was great to be yeah. able to go to four different arenas, see four losses. That was um, that was very unfortunate, but you know, this year it comes to an end. It okay. comes to an end in April. I'm putting my foot down. I'm walking out of there. Walking out of Brooklyn with a win. I love it. I'm just a little disappointed, though, that you have not been to Indianapolis for a game this year. Yeah, it's definitely unfortunate. Having a baby definitely put a little, uh, I'm little, sure, little, little spin on it. You know, harder to travel this year, but I, I definitely, I want it in the back of my head. I have molded over for a while of like the Pacers can definitely lock into the playoffs. That is definitely something that I am interested in. So, you know, hopefully it works out that way. I, I mean, to to be able to see the Pacers back in the playoffs. Is awesome. I haven't been to a Pacers playoff game, I would say, since about 2013, I, I believe it was. Mm. So, yep, I was fortunate to see back to back series 2012, 2013, uh, Knicks and the Wizards uh, series. So, that was yeah. good. Both both wins. Both wins. So, for yeah. anybody listening, you know, playoff Pacers might be different. 2 and 0 with me in the building in Indiana for playoff games. How about that? So the playoff curse is where we need Fachi at the games, but yes, the regular the, seasons where we the, don't want you at the games. I, I I agree. I agree. I mean, of course, you know, we are talking about it's been about a decade, but at the same point, that magic's still real. And if I'm back in the building, I'm I'm thinking a win is uh, in the cards. I I appreciate your confidence, Fachi. That's always one thing that I uh, have enjoyed about the curse. It's just every single time there's an opportunity, you, you go out there on a limb and say, "I'm breaking this curse this time." Oh and, yeah. Oh yeah. Know, how many times have you had to eat your own words? Too many. To a, a lot lately. It's it's been aggressive. It's been aggressive. I mean, people have really, uh, you know, they've been coming for me, but I, I respect it because you know what, guys, I ain't gonna stop coming. I'm gonna keep walking through those those doors, those gates. I'm gonna take my seat in that, in that arena, and I will be ready for a win, no matter who we're playing. All right. I, I mean, I, I just don't know why they can't win when I'm there, but they will. That I believe in. Let's hope the Pacers come in as aggressive as you plan on coming in and they come in as ready to win that game as you're coming in to to, to root them on to a victory. Uh, but there's a lot of games left to play. They're going to hit this road trip here, Fachi, coming up. 
three-game West Coast road trip, more like Southwest road trip. They got the Pelicans, the Spurs, and the Mavericks before they're back home to play Minnesota. So, you know, not an not a tough stretch, but not an easy stretch either. Like yeah. Minnesota and Dallas are really good teams. Pelicans are a good team. You know, only team that's not been great is San Antonio. So that looks like on paper uh, it should be a win, but you can never count out Victor Wimbanyama and yeah. his Pacers team uh, yeah, against those type can. of teams. So. You know, I think it'll be interesting. No back to back, so that's a that's a good sign. Helps, and they'll have a couple days. They'll have days in there to rest and, and figure things out. But I'm, I'm I'm kind of curious to see how this team does on this trip because if they can go two and one, I think that's best. Honest, best case scenario is three and zero. Oh. But of if course. they can go two and one, that's pretty impressive too. It is. I think two and one would be great. But you got to remember, it's just like Dallas just played us. We beat Dallas. I thought that was a really good. When I do think that we're going to get a better version of Dallas than what we saw last time. And I do also think that we're going to get a better version of the Pelicans. Yeah. So, I mean, you really just – you don't want to go one and two. You really don't. And I think that there's just no scenario where the Pacers can overlook San Antonio because Pacers are kind of doing a little bit of a, you know, Pokemon collect them all. They've, they've almost lost to all of the worst teams in the league. So you don't want to add San Antonio to that list. Obviously, Detroit is one that, you know – you just you can't do that. But for now, you want the Pacers to be able to handle some business because uh, over the next few games, I mean, they, they do come home against Minnesota, but then you have two more on the road. So for the Pacers now, you have five of the next six on the road. Things will not be easy. Yeah, and then when you get off that part of the road trip, I think you return to play the Bulls on mm-hmm. the second night of a back-to-back at home. So that's also not fun. And the Pacers, or the excuse me, the Bulls, they just beat the Cavaliers on Wednesday night. So they did double overtime, I believe. I mean, I, I think that uh, for the Bulls, that's they're a weird team. They just can't really put it all together. But you don't want to overlook them either. Yeah. Um, so I, I don't think that there's many easy games on, on the schedule for Indiana. There's teams that they're better than, but we've obviously seen how that goes. So you just got to be able to get up for each game, each and every night, not overlook anybody because at this point. Alex, I mean, these wins are very valuable. A couple games ago, the Pacers were looking at the fifth seed. Then all of a sudden, they found themselves in eighth eighth spot. It's just anything could happen within one loss. Yeah, I think everybody right now is around 33 wins. So it's just continuing to to figure out where the Pacers are going to end up landing. Philly, Miami, Orlando, Indiana, they're all right within each other of fighting for fifth through eighth. And nobody wants to be seventh or eighth. Everybody wants to be fifth or sixth. So... That's why you have to win these tough games. And, you know, you, you mentioned it earlier that, like, this win against New Orleans kind of takes, you know, whatever that loss was against Toronto. But for me, you just can't have mental lapses like that if you're trying to pull away from this group. So I, I didn't want to, you know, be rude about what they did, but it's just you can't have those kind of letdown games like that where, yeah, Toronto played good, but come on. If you go back and watch a film on that defense – that might have been some of the worst defense I've seen in a while from this Pacers team. They were just bad in every aspect, weren't in the right spot. Screen uh, defense was bad. Switching defense was bad. I mean, the rotations, getting, you know, paint defense, it was all bad, Fachi, just really, really bad. So I, I think that for this team to really put their foot down and say, you know what, we're going to figure things out. We're we're getting better. It's go time. It's lock-in time. That's going to help. But, they, it's you know, March is when the next game is. They've got to be much better record-wise than they've been in the other four months this season. They've got to have a better winning record in the month of March and carry that over in April as the playoffs get closer. 
Yeah, March is really going to be a defining month, you know, for for this Pacers team. I think that right now, when you look at it, it's just hey, the playoffs that they start in April. I mean, you really got to be ready for it. So it's just we're talking about the playoffs at this point. It, they're six weeks away, mm-hmm. so you really want to finish March strong because you do know that at some point Joel Embiid's going to be back. At some point, the Miami Heat are really going to get it going. The Knicks are going to get healthy. I mean, OG Julius Randle—they've been out for a while. Like, who knows if Mitchell Robinson's coming back or not? Like, there are other teams that are going to be getting better. But for this Pacers team, right now is really that pivotal time to be able to push ahead while Philly isn't at full strength and things like that. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm excited to close out February with a win. I, I do think that the Pacers. I'd like to hope that they are hitting their stride. I mean, they've won four or five now. Um, so that makes me feel pretty good. But March is really going to tell us a lot because if the Pacers find themselves, you know, in that play in territory seven or eight, it's a totally different ball game. You really you, you have to be in that top six, but you really want to be, you know, trying to push for, you know, I'd say four or five. I, I really do think because this, even the Bucks, they're coming around. They're playing much better defense than they were earlier in the year. This is not the same Bucks team that we beat four times early on so it's just vital that the Pacers find themselves not in play in territory and I don't and like I could like I said earlier could, or the other episode could you beat the Bucks eight times in a year to me you can't beat anybody eight times in a year unless they're they're at the bottom of the standings so I don't know what India is going to do but I think it's important now to to win those games to get ahead of it yeah and, and Rick Carlisle alluded to this on on the radio show Tuesday Tuesday morning like when they talk about positioning themselves, they don't talk top six. They talk yeah, top, top four. four. I think that's that's the good mentality to have. Like why yeah. set the bar kind of low? Set it yeah. high. If you fall shy, maybe you're the fifth seed. That that's incredible. I mean, when we talked to Miles back in August last year before the season started, like he felt like with the team they had assembled at that point that they could be a top four team in the Eastern Conference. And I think early on they kind of played like it. Injuries and the trades, I think, did kind of separate themselves a little bit. They went on a little bit of a losing streak and kind of got into a funk, especially with the Halliburton injury. You just always wonder like, where would this team be at if Halliburton had stayed healthy all month in January? Like it's a totally different in in my eyes, you know, totally different ballpark that these guys are playing in. And, and now they've got to kind of figure out like injuries happen to everybody. So it's not like it's a, Oh, you know, what was the Pacers? But like, you know, the Cavaliers did a really good job of, of going on that huge stretch. I think they went like 17 of 18 games in a row. And you can talk about how, you know, bad their schedule was in terms of like how weak it was and the opponents they were playing. But, hey, you know what? They took care of business against those teams, and the Pacers can't say the same thing. So, you know, I think that water will find its level. These guys will figure things out. And we're getting closer to like seeing who this Pacers team actually is now with everybody fully healthy. Just got to get Nisbeth back in the mix, and then we can maybe get our get a better pulse of like what this team is going to be moving forward. Yeah, one thing that that I just saw, I looked at his Pacers thirty four wins. I went, wow! Last year we had thirty five. Yeah, overall, so you could just see that this team has taken really big strides to be far better than what they were last year, and uh, you know I think that they're going to extremely exceed their win projection. So. At this point, obviously, I think I think the wins coming into this year, I think it might have been like 37 and a half Vegas set them at. So I think it just shows that the Pacers, uh, they're, they're, in, they're going in a great direction. I think that we heard, you know, pregame for uh, 
for ESPN. I mean, Woj was talking highly. He he really feels confident about Indiana re-signing Pascal Siakam. I think with each game that goes by, you just feel like you like the fit. You feel that Siakam likes being a pacer. It's just there's a lot of good vibes around this team. And uh, they, they just need to continue to lock in, compete every single night because they can't take their foot off the gas against anybody. Everybody in this Eastern Conference standings, for the most part, has been there before. So I think this, if you're an Indiana team, you know, you, being able to do something like get home court as the fourth seed is just, it, it's so crucial. But at the same point, I mean, we just got to be able to sit back in a moment and not be too critical and just enjoy the success that this te- this team's having and the fact that they like to play together. That's been very evident. This team's having fun right now. No, they are definitely having fun. And I think if Pascal Siakam can continue to have those type of late game moments, like you have a Tyrese tonight against the Pelicans, like that's definitely going to make him excited to be here. I, I think that because I know Tyrese is such a big WWE fan, I always want to say the rock and sock connection whenever I see him and Pascal yeah, have these kind of moments. I like that. So that's that's kind of what I'm comparing them to. It's the rock and sock connection. Uh, you know, the unlikely tag team, but hey, you know what? They're pretty effective when they're together. And maybe this was a little bit more likely than people realize, but uh, we just never knew if Masai Ujiri was actually going to pull the pull the trigger and, and trade Pascal away from Toronto. So, you know what? I think it's a great fit together, and I'm excited to see it continue to blossom, Fachi, as we move forward. So any final thoughts before we wrap this one up? Uh, no, I just think that, one, it was awesome that the Pacers were able to get flexed into this ESPN spot. That was great. And then the fact that they were able to respond and really walk away with those is that this is how you build you know, the, the fans of the Pacers. For the people who don't get to watch the Pacers more than a couple of times a year, what they saw tonight was a team that was able to, you know, get off to a big lead, but then also to be able to close it out when it mattered most. And I think that this is how you grow the viewership for the Pacers. And uh, I was just very happy to be able to have that type of showing compared to the type of showings that we had in the past where, you know, you might get blown out against Milwaukee on ESPN. And that's the only perception of the Pacers on the year. So they, they, they handled it tonight at a great showing. Absolutely. Pach. Well, let's go ahead and wrap this one up. Go ahead and tell everybody where they can find us at on social media. Absolutely. So you can find us on Twitter at Pacers pod STP. Find Alex on Twitter at AlexGoldenMBA. I can be found on Twitter at underscore F-A-C-C-I. You can find us on Instagram at PacersPodSTP. You can find us on Facebook at Setting the Pace. You can find us on TikTok at Setting the Pace. And Alex, tell them where they can check us out on YouTube. Well, ladies and gentlemen, go to YouTube.com slash Setting the Pace, a Pacers podcast where you can find all of our video content. Please subscribe to the channel. Let us know what you think of our, our conversation in the comment section below. We really appreciate your interaction with us and we do try to get back on the, on the YouTube account and comment back when you guys do comment. So if we have not, or we haven't liked a message or a comment, please forgive us for that. But we, uh, we always appreciate that interaction there. We want to thank everybody so much that is listening to the audio platform for subscribing to this podcast. Make sure you leave us a five-star rating and review to help us uh, reach other people that haven't maybe heard of setting the pace. I actually talked to somebody Wednesday afternoon that was wearing a Pacers hat and I said hey you know uh, you big podcast listener have you heard of setting the pace and they said oh no you have a podcast that's dope how long have you been doing it? I said five years they said okay I'm gonna give that a listen so you know what there are people that have not heard about it so spread the word it's good let people know about setting the pace if you're a fan of this show so you wouldn't be here at this point in the podcast if you didn't like the show so tell somebody that you like the show but with that being said Bach, if you're hoping that Tyrese Halliburton can get his first win as a six-year-old on Friday night against the Pelicans 
Then hit me with those three words. Let's go Pacers! Did you know a 2018 study showed half of prenatal vitamins tested had unacceptable levels of heavy metals? I'm Kat, mother of three and founder of Ritual. When I was four months pregnant, I couldn't find a prenatal I could trust, so I created my own. Ours is made traceable, third-party tested for heavy metals, and recently earned the Purity Award from the Clean Label Project. But don't just take my word for it. Get 25% off at virtual.com slash podcast.